0: Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Eddie Tate. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Just put your hands out in front of you. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to become aware of the tangible presence of God that's in this room right now. There's nothing that I can say tonight that's more important than what we're experiencing right now. The awareness of his presence is... Is critical for our lives. The awareness of his closeness is so needed in this generation. And those of you that know, I usually have this Holy Spirit come and I have you say that, but I, w- I just want you to say thank you for your presence. Just begin to continue to say that until the tangible awareness of his presence begins to match the thankfulness in your heart. Just thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your presence, God. Now put your hand on your neighbor and say thank you for your presence. <laughs> Some of you are starting to get contagious. Just begin to, as if you were truly encountering the God of all creation, the one who is the beginning and the end, if you were actually gonna encounter that God, begin to praise right now, begin to say thank you, begin to cry out your thanksgiving for a God that is all things at all times for all people. You know, if this is what we do for the rest of the night, then let's do it. Let's just praise him. Begin to lift up your voices. Not as if you had to because I said, but because you recognize that the creator is here in our midst, touching us right now. Mmm. All right, I got to warm some of you up, I can tell. Some some of you you're going to take a little priming tonight, I think. Oh man. You can go ahead and have a seat, but I'm just going to let you know, God's going to start interrupting a lot of things tonight. He's going to interrupt my message. He's going to interrupt your attention. He's going to interrupt your distractions. (laughs) How many of you are okay that God interrupts our plans? Or how many of you want God to be in order for you? God, I pray Joaquin is never the same after tonight. Who came in here tonight desperate for your marriage to be healed? Somebody, there, there is at least one person in here right now that you came because you are desperate for your marriage to be touched by God. If that's you, wave your hands in the air. Stand up. Stand up. There, okay, one would have been illegal, but the amount of people standing is just, I'm not okay with this. No one should be okay with marriages not being blessed by God. If that was you, put your hand up in the air, high up in the air. And the reason I want your hand high up in the air is because if you are standing around that person, you are every bit of what God has in store for that person right now. So I want you to surround them, I want you to lay your hands on them. And you don't need to get details and you don't need to pray long. This is not a three hour prophecy over them, this is a five second God restore with your love now in Jesus' name. Just begin to bless them right now. Father, we thank you that marriage was your idea. We thank you, God, that you are the God of restoration. You are the God of love. So Father, right now, we just command marriages to come under the alignment of heaven, to come into the perfect purity that was designed from the beginning. We bless these people right now to experience the love of God in and through their marriages. And Father, for every one of us that's in here, I pray that there are upgrades available tonight in our relationships, in our marriages that there is an intimacy upgrade with our spouses, that there is a connection upgrade with our spouses. And Father, we just bless that right now in Jesus' name. Everyone said, come on. Those of you that stood, the email is info at BethelATX.com. I'm expecting testimonies even this week of radical restorations over your marriages. See, we're not praying just because it's a good idea. We're praying because it's his idea. We're not just calling out something because it's something that could be wrong. It's something that God wanted to touch right now in this place. So this wasn't a hope-filled prayer. This was a response in obedience to his call for your lives tonight. Oh, man. I prepared a message tonight. How about that? We'll see what happens. You know, as I was praying about this weekend, I just kept thinking about the coming year. And it's like, it's too early to preach a New Year message. Is it? No, oh, not on the Hebrew calendar. There we go. Somebody justified this. I like it. I mean, how many people have had expectation for the year 2020? And, and, How many of you have heard the 500 analogies of 2020 vision? (laughs) I hate to say it, but I like to buck the system. Have you guys noticed that about me a little? I like to challenge things that are the norm. And I've heard so many prophetic words about 2020 vision, 2020, 2020, 2020, all these things dealing with vision for the coming year, prophetically, from churches around the world. And I'm like, God, give me something that no one's heard about. He's like, vision. (laughs) All right. See, the reality is that the world is blind. How many of you understand that? The world itself is blind. Because without knowledge and awareness of God, they cannot see truth. And 2020 actually represents the alignment or the bringing into focus and sharpness of vision. It's everything coming into one place. And when you have bad vision, your goal is to get to 2020 vision, getting into the same place. And God has a plan for 2020 vision for the entire planet. Who knows what that plan is? I'll give you a hint. The plan is sitting in your chair. We all know Jesus is the answer, right? But how do people come to that knowledge? We are supposed to be the representation of that which is available. We are co-heirs seated with Christ. You are the alignment of vision for the world around you. How many of you know that the world is not all unicorns and rainbows? How many of you know there's challenges out there? Just me and the one guy that said yes? How many of you think the, that the world may have a little bit of darkness spread across the earth? When darkness and light collide, who wins? Do you know that actually darkness is, a, is, is not real? Darkness is just the absence of light. Which means anywhere you stand, there is no darkness allowed. Because the light of the world is within you, and you are a reflection of that which you behold, which is heaven. So you are the light of the world. You are that which reflects the nature of God everywhere you go, which means where you stand, darkness is not allowed. Now, is that true? What about the rest of you? Is that the truth? How many of you feel that great and that bright all the time? (laughs) It's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about our identity. See, the reality is that everything that we talk about really can be brought back to our identity and our awareness of who we are in Christ. If you're not aware of who you are, you're not aware of whose you are, and then you're not able to actually be that which was sent into the world. Galatians, it says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer slaves, but sons. And if a son, then an heir to God through Christ. Romans, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Somebody's excited on this side. All right, everybody else go hit Teal House Bakery. This person and I are going to have service tonight. How many of you want the inheritance of Christ everywhere in your life? So I'm gonna bring back an old one. How many of you have ever seen the movie, and I'm not gonna do what I did, I'll tell a funny story in a second. How many of you have ever seen the movie, The Princess Diaries? Every girl in here is like, "Woo!" one guy went. Raise your hands again, how many of you? I'm gonna see if it is a good portion of the room. Most of you are old enough to have seen it, that's good. I used to speak at youth and I was like, how many of you have seen Princess Diaries? They're like. <laughs> "Most of That movie was made when most of them were born. Princess Diaries, summary of the movie. A girl, teenager, pretty messed up girl in a lot of ways. Little goofy, little awkward, didn't really know who she was. Struggled with life in a lot of ways. Finds out that she's a princess. Finds out that she's actually royalty. Finds out that she is the daughter of the queen. See, I used to preach on this. There was one time I was in Nebraska preaching with, well, actually Joaquin and friend Chad were preaching. They had me get up and share, and I shared this little segment about this. And I'm just talking about when did she find out she was a princess? When she was a teenager. When was she royalty? When she was born. Her awareness actually changed her into the princess, but the identity was always there. Now the funny part was is I'm getting really excited about this and I'm like representing her in the movie saying, I'm a princess. I said that about 10 times. Got back down, sat down, Chad Dedman leans over to me and he goes, you're a princess. It's like, what are you talking about? He goes, I counted at least 10 times. You said you were a princess. And we're streaming. I am not a princess. But take that reality. You have always been, from the moment of your creation, you have always been a son or a daughter of the Most High King. You have always been a prince and a princess, or a princess. You have always been designed to sit in heavenly places and be co-heirs with your king. It was your awareness that allowed you to grab a hold of that. See, our identity is true regardless whether you believe it or not. But once you become aware of it, and once you begin to apprehend the truth inside of you, and let it become the outward expression of who you are, you begin to shape the world around you. Yeah. You know, talking to people—I don't know why, but I, I feel like this message was timely because there are some people I've been talking to in the last few weeks where, just you know, when you—how many people have friends, relatives, people in your life that they just come to you and they share something? and then for some reason you feel like in a time frame there's a theme with what a lot of different people are saying. Have you? Has anybody else ever noticed that? I feel like a lot of people lately have just been almost questioning who they are. Like the definition of their identity is placed somewhere else, and they're trying to navigate who they are. And just some of the things that Kind of had come up in the last month. If you don't believe you're a child of God, then all the gifts and the inheritance become something you have to earn. And it creates a lie that you could actually be disqualified or that you're not worth it. If your identity is found in what you do, how many of you have ever, like, you meet somebody it's like, Hi, my name's Eddie, yeah, they're like, I'm this person, I am a doctor, I am, I work here, I, they define who they are by their job, what they do. That's pretty common in our society, is to come forward right away with my position to let you know where I am, who I am, who I know, how I fit there. But if your identity is finding what you do, then you always have to do more and achieve more to actually find value. And the fear of failure will actually convince you to stop trying. If your identity is found in what people think or say, then you always try to please people to find value. Nobody here ever deals with that, right? Liars. The problem is, is if you succumb to what people think or say about you to find your identity, you fall into majority rules and you lose your voice. Because what the, what the most people say and think about you becomes how you find your identity. And the reality is that sometimes the truest voice, voice is the one that stands outside of the majority. But when you are drawn to hearing what people say to find your value, you lean into whatever the biggest group says. You know, I think a lot of the problems that we're facing in society right now are not, hmm. it's a question of identity. People don't know who they are and in their pursuit to find it, they're gathering people that agree or have the same feelings or thoughts that they do and that loud voice becomes what culture is starting to lean towards. Why? They're afraid of what people are gonna think or say about them. See, a lot of times we are thinking people are confused about their identity and they're trying to fight us for it when the reality is they're just trying to feel welcome. They're trying to feel known. If your identity is found in your past, you'll always be working towards truth and towards being victorious instead of realizing that you're walking from truth and you are victorious. We have to have a heavenly mindset. We have to start doing things from the place of heaven's perspective, not towards it. Ephesians 2 says we are seated in heavenly places. How many of you believe the word of God? And what about the rest of you? You believe Fox News? You... I actually had somebody challenge me in that I'm always asking people to participate and raise their hands and give me a response. Do you think it's for my sake? No, it's for yours. See, the reality is in, when you read Revelation, it talks about heaven and it talks about when, when God is there that the 24 elders drop down and they cast they cast their crowns before the throne. It is a response to the truth and the re- revelation of God in their midst. Is that correct? Sometimes we need to train our truths. We need to train our responses. I don't care if you, re- if you raise your hand or if you respond for my sake. I, am, I'm, I care about it for yours. You need to be trained and condition yourself that when truth is alive and in, in your presence that you respond to the truth some way. I'm asking you to raise your hand to say things not because I want to see how many people in the room can do that. Everyone's got arms. They can all lift them. And if you can, you're healed. Now you can. There you go. (laughs) But it's not for my sake. It's for yours. Learning how to actually have a response physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually in you that when truth is evident in a place, you respond to it. Are we good with that? Well, got one more person in that group. That's good. We cannot lower the standard of truth of scripture to line up with our comfort. The word of God is true whether you believe it or not, but we cannot lower the standard of how much we believe in the word based on our comfort level or our circumstances. This is going to be a solemn night, I can tell not going to be a whole lot of hoorahs well maybe two or three how many of you ever read the bible how many of you have your bible with you how many of you have a smartphone then you all have your bible with you but you should bring a bible to church This will be for the new people, because most of you heard me say this. Going to church without your Bible is like going on a date without a date. It doesn't make any sense. Two of you understood that. All right, Judges 6, the story of Gideon. How many of you ever heard the story of Gideon? I love, there's a couple of stories, and I've, I've left a few out, because there's a few stories I just absolutely love that reflect aspects of our identity and how we need to actually see ourselves. But I love the story of Gideon. Gideon 6, 11, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Do you know who said that to him? The Lord. So the Lord is where? With him. I love this version Because Gideon, pardon me, my Lord, so polite. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. How many of you have ever felt like You've heard great things and testimonies of God and yet you're sitting in a place going I've heard of these things but I feel abandoned. I mean it's okay to be real. It's okay to say you feel abandoned by God. That's a real perception. It's not the truth but it's a real perception. Like if you can't be real, if you can't actually express the truth of your perception then you're not going to get free. Because you're going to be hidden behind a lie and you have to actually express it. So once it, See, the reality is, is what is a lie? A lie is the darkness covering up the light. So if you are believing a lie and you express the lie, you actually are saying, I'm gonna bring this into the light, and now it vanishes because it was a lie, and the truth can actually set you free. So if you are discouraged and abandoned in feeling by God, it's okay to say, I feel abandoned by you right now, because when that truth comes out, God shows up, and you all of a sudden understand you've never been left. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? You know what I love about that part? And this is just the way I read it. God's like, I'm with you. He's like, (laughs) but I'm alone. And I just, I hear whining. And how does God respond? Oh, it's okay. No, God ignores that and says, now go in your strength. God is not going to recognize your fear. He's not going to recognize those things. He's going to actually just come in love and power and let you walk in truth. He's not trying to defend a lie or, or prove a lie wrong. He's just going to speak truth into your life. See, the truth is that Gideon was strong in the Lord. His perception of himself was that he was abandoned. God isn't going to try to fix his perception of abandonment. He's going to edify that he is strong in him. And then Gideon, of course, polite again, pardon me, my Lord. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. How many times has God actually spoken something to you? He's given you direction. He's given you an assignment. He's given a call onto your life. And you've used your perception of who you are, your past, your family, your background, your experiences, or your circumstances to say, but I can't. It's the but I against God we justify sometimes why we can't do what God's calling us to do because of who we see ourselves as. One of my other favorite stories is Moses. He's at the burning bush. And he's talking about, I'm a man of slow speech. I can't communicate. How can I do this? Do you realize later on in Acts, when it talks about Moses, it says that he was extremely intelligent and strong in speech. See, the reality is that he was exactly what God wanted, but his perception was, I can't do what you're asking me, so I'm going to give you my version of my weaknesses to to actually convince you that there's someone else. Gideon did what a lot of us do when we're charged to do something great for God. They define themselves based on internal and external circumstances. We often do that. We often will tell God who we are. Who do you think has a better perception of the reality of who you are? You or God? God calls us his masterpiece. How many of you can see this painting? How many of you would tell the artist, that's not a painting, that's a pizza? (laughs) Sounds pretty stupid, right? Because what would the artist say about that? It's a painting. Well, what does that painting mean? The artist probably has something to tell you. But you totally ignore what it actually is and say that it's something else. As funny and stupid as that analogy is, that's what we do with God. He's like, you are a mighty warrior. I'm the weakest. You are my pride and joy. I'm a stepchild. I'm an orphan. I, 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 and you give a list of all of the things that disqualify you from being the truth of what he says. Is this okay? I wanna address this first, why? This is how a lot of us feel whether we wanna admit it or not. This theme over the last couple months has been people just talking about trying to understand who they are, how they fit, what they're called to and why they're here. All the while tagging things onto my nots, my couldn'ts, my shouldn'ts, my won'ts, my past, my hurts. Are some of those real? Yes, in circumstance but they do not define you. Proverbs says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, Hmm. I can't allow myself to think about myself in any way that he doesn't think about me. See, our our identity should be defined by the word of God and what my father says. If you ever question who you are or what your identity is, there is only one place that your identity is always perfectly spoken, and it's in the word of God. Five of you agreed with that. That's good. I went from one, and now I've got five. This is good. How many of you have read any of the Gospels, like when Jesus was baptized? How many of you have seen the movie, at least? Okay, good. I love the baptism. The story there is one of my favorites because there was a time when it really frustrated me. And then there was a time where I understood. And then there came a time where I realized I didn't understand anything. And then there was time when I was like, I think I'm getting it again. (laughs) Jesus is baptized, and when he's baptized, he comes up out of the water, the heavens open, a dove descends on him. And what does God say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. How many of you know that that was actually spoken over every one of you as well? Some of you don't believe that. That was spoken over every person in here. Every one of us has had the Father look at us and say, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. How many of you have ever read the Bible? You read a chapter. That's awesome. Then you read the next chapter and you pull something else out of it because it's something different. But how many of you realize that chapter to chapter is usually written straight through? We categorize them. So we break them up into segments of stories when it's actually a story. You guys realize that? That's the end of Matthew 3. The next verse is Matthew 4, Matthew 4. And it says, then, which, do you think that means after some time? Or do you think it means next, then? Then... This is where I was really frustrated for a long time. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Does that bug anyone else? Like the Spirit of God led Jesus, the Son of God, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God would never tempt me. No, but he'll lead you to be tempted. Because in temptation, you come out with revelation. A lot of your beliefs are going to be sorted out when temptation comes. And the best place to strengthen yourself is in the place of resistance. We continue to read how the enemy came to Jesus how many times? Wow. Wow. Okay, we, we're going to start a Sunday school class? <laughs> See, you guys who thought that was a trick question. It was not a trick question. How many times was Jesus tempted? Three. Okay, we're good. How did the enemy tempt Jesus? If you are the son of God, what's he challenging? Identity. What's he leaving out? The word Beloved. Because Jesus came, or when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the, the enemy says, if you're the son of God, he's leaving out the word love. Why? Because perfect love casts out all fear and perfect love is the nature of God manifest in and through us. When you walk in fullness of love, your identity is at its highest peak. Jesus responded every time the exact same way. It is written. Jesus never argued with the lie. He always affirmed the truth. See, there's a lot of times that we face attacks from people, and our nature is to defend ourselves. It's not necessary. Find a place in the Bible where Jesus ever defended himself. He doesn't have to defend himself. He stands on truth. He speaks what he sees. He speaks what he hears. He does what he sees. He is the manifestation of truth in action. He doesn't have to defend the lie because he's not ever succumbed to the lie. When you walk in the fullness of truth, lies have no power over you. See, when somebody attacks you, they're attacking your identity. Whether you realize it or not, because most people take it as, well, I'm not that person. No, you're not. But when you engage in the fight of defending that thing, you've actually lowered yourself to a lower standard. You've lowered yourself into a place of combat instead of a place of victory and truth. You turn from looking from heaven and saying, this is who I am, to a place of saying, I want to be that. That was a side note. There's no truer description of our identity than the word of God. Matthew 7, we read about two men that built houses. The man that built his house on the rock, the man that built his house on the sand. What happened to those two houses? There was a storm that came. It wasn't a different storm. It wasn't a bigger storm for one of the, it was the same storm. But one of the houses was destroyed and one of them stayed strong. The one that stood on truth and on the solid foundation of who they are, the rock, which is Jesus, was strong. The one that built was built on the sand, or I would even say the opinion of others, the reality of their circumstances, the things that don't allow them to actually stand on the truth of who they are, that one was destroyed. And it says it was destroyed in a way that other things around it were destroyed. How do you stay strong? You stand on truth. What is the truth? You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are co-heirs to Christ. You stand with all of heaven's resources at your disposal. All, of, all means all, and that's all that all means. And you have all of heaven at your disposal. Some of you actually believe it. Our identity should position us to be aware of the kingdom of God in and around us over everything else. Society should not be the dictation of our identity. Our circumstances are not the definition of our identity. Our past is not a definition of our identity. And awareness is key. How many of you have ever been someplace, like you're in a restaurant or something and somebody goes whoa, do you hear that song? And you're like, oh yeah. Does that ever happen to anybody else or am I the only deaf person in here? How many of you ever been someplace, somebody's like, wow, do you smell that? And you're like, well yeah, I do. You didn't before, but when the awareness of something was brought to your attention, all of a sudden it became very prominent to you. What are you making aware of around you? What do the people in your life become aware of when they're in your presence? Do people hear the sound of heaven when they're in your presence? Do people smell the fragrance of heaven when they're in your presence? Do people feel just the awestruck wonder of God when they're in your presence? What are you making people aware of? When you become aware When you become aware of who you really are, you won't position yourself to get into heaven anymore. Some of you got that. We need to quit trying to live like we're trying to get to heaven and live like we have heaven in us. Heaven's not the finish line. Heaven's my starting gate why I'm seated in heavenly places. I don't have to get there. I am there. Yeah. When you become aware of who you really are, you'll understand that heaven has positioned itself to get inside of you and to get inside of every person you come in contact with. I always find it funny when somebody's really sick, they'll come up there. Like, oh, you don't want to touch me. I'm sick. It's like, yeah, but the heaven in me is bigger than the sickness in you. How many of you have ever heard of or seen somebody that you might think have critters on them? It's what we call demons. Five of you raised your hand, the rest of you are like, I ain't acknowledging that. I'm sitting next to them. Now, how many of you have ever seen or know somebody that it's like, oh, there's something not right in that person or on that person or around that person? How many of you have ever been in a place where somebody is like, they go to shake your hand or they want to pray for you or they want to do something you're like, uh-uh, I don't want to get what you have. I remember one of the first churches I was a part of. It was kind of like the, the, the dodging of demons. Somebody go to pray for you, you're like, yep, <laughs> yep. No, I'm good. I bet we could actually create a cool dance called the dodging of demons. It's like... Okay, whatever Um, Why are we afraid for people to lay hands on us? See Anybody anybody got a demon in here that they're willing to admit? Because I'm going to have you come lay hands on me Because what's going to happen is that the light of the world inside of me Is going to crush the darkness that's inside of you I am not afraid of something that I have dominion over I am more than a conqueror, which means I don't even have a fight in front of me. When you begin to realize who you are, fear has no place. See, God's never going to come fix your fear. He's going to fill you with love. How many of you have ever felt like you're in the fire? Like just, oh, it's hard. God doesn't put out the fire. He just puts someone in there with you. See, we don't have to worry about the things that are going on as bad as they can be. How many of you have had anything bad happen in the last 16 minutes? Yeah, some of you should raise your hand because I'm preaching. But no, really, in the last week, how many of you could say something bad has actually happened? A circumstance that was not a good circumstance has actually come across my life. Are you here? Did it destroy you? Are you still a son or child of God? Are you still seated in heavenly places? So did it actually have an effect on your life? Mm, It probably did. But when the reality of who you are overtakes any type of circumstances, the circumstance is just that. It's something that happens and goes away. See, God's good regardless of what we think. God is always good all the time. He can't be anything but good because it's not something he does. It's something he is. We're going to get there somewhere. Good, our awareness of our identity we create, will create an awareness of God for those around us. How many of you want to see things change in the world? I got a hoorah. How many of you know that you are the change? We don't become culturally relevant by lining up with the world. See, a lot of people want to like, well, I'm just going to kind of dial it back a little so that people accept me. No. The reality is if you dial it back a little, you're no better than they are because they don't see anything that's actually challenging them into truth. See, one of the things that I would say, and Renee kind of hit it, what I thought was funny is I don't want to be in a church. I don't want to have a family that apologizes for the crazy, crazy, crazy things of God. I remember somebody told me once, well, We want to invite them to a church, but we want to invite them to another church so they can at least get saved, and then when they're ready, we'll bring them over to your church because then they won't get scared. (laughs) They're going to be way more scared starting off somewhere else than they are if they just come into the kingdom. (laughs) If you instantly get saved and die, you're in heaven, seated before the throne with creatures flying around with multiple heads, eyes on the inside and outside. That's just weird. Thunder and lightning and rainbows and shaking and, we haven't been that weird here yet. I'm still trying. But I don't wanna tell somebody, hey, here's an appetizer so that you'll be ready for the main course. I want people to experience the fullness of what's available. I'm telling you one thing. A very soft approach to God is good for a few scared people. But a radical encounter with the creator of all heaven and earth is what the world needs. That God is inside of you. Who wants to let him out? That guy does. know what's funny in a couple days ago I was traveling I was in my hotel room and I couldn't sleep and I had probably one of the most profound nights with God I've had in 20 years and there was no crazy encounter there was no scripture that jumped out and slapped me across the face Nobody said anything to me. I actually was restless because I couldn't sleep and I was thinking. I was just thinking. Periodically talking with God. See, sometimes we make God so ultra spiritual, we wait for the big encounter to actually allow ourselves to be changed. I just came to this reality that I'm not walking out who I'm supposed to be. Not to its fullness. Very simple. And I'm not going to say that I had this, whoa, I'm going to be so different. No, that wasn't it. It was just this almost thankfulness came over me. This... Quiet, which, if anybody knows me, anything quiet that comes over me is weird. I don't do quiet real well. But literally, it was just this quiet change of mind. It was just this I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so surrendered. I'm so loved. I'm so powerful. I'm so purposed. It's just these waves of truths just begin to just go through my mind. And I feel different. I feel very different. I I can't even say this is how I'm different. I just feel different. I feel like I have more love inside of me than I've ever had. And I can't say that I had this crazy love encounter. I feel like I'm more powerful than I've ever been. I'm afraid to point at people. I think they might blow up. <laughs> I love. Ethan, I love you. I said that. Ethan's like... <laughs> Ethan, stand here. I'm a princess. Come on. Even... Ethan, stand up.) <laughs> Go ahead and put your arms out like they were. Close your eyes. (laughs) Mm. Wow, wow. Is there a Richard somewhere over here? Is there a Richard? Right over here? Go ahead and stand up. And a Diane. Diane, come on. Is there a Richard or Diane that's just terrified to stand up because you know I'm going to do something? Whew. Yeah. Richard, when I when I was just when I was speaking to or really just looking on Ethan, I literally heard the Lord just whisper, Richard. I have no idea why. So just stand there. If he gives me something, I'll let you know. If not, you'll get it anyway. I literally have nothing for you except just stand there. Is that good with you? All right, cool. Now, Diane. There is, wow. mm, There are promises and dreams that you have actually allowed to not go dormant. You've not put them away. You've not even given up on them. And this is not a rebuke, but you have settled for the little bit that you've seen. God wants you to be aware of the fact that you are about to encounter something that you've never seen before. There is momentum about to come into your life. And the little things that you have seen are literally the lighting of the wick. And the wick is about to take off and dynamite's about to explode. Father right now we just proclaim the promises fulfilled over her dreams and desires. Wow. Ha. Huh. You don't have to ask God to fulfill your dreams. It's because of God that you have those dreams. And God is actually saying that he is gonna manifest himself in your life in a way you've never known. That you are gonna step into some things in your life that you've desired. Miracles, signs, and wonders. And I'm not talking about healings and prophecy. You're about to see some crazy things. Like, speak to the mountain and the mountain moves. You're gonna to start to speak into regions and transformation will happen by the declaration of your words because God's bringing momentum into your life. Father, right now, we just proclaim momentum over Diane. We speak that she is a child of God a most favored daughter, that she has the voice of heaven inside of her and that she speaks and releases fulfillment of your desires into regions, God in Jesus' name. I want to know what he's going to say about you, Richard. I keep looking at you like he's going to give me something. Nope. And I don't need anything. Amen. You've got everything you need. Actually, that's the word for you. You have everything you need. Everything you need. You're a pretty, you're a pretty stable person in thoughts. You're pretty stable. You've made some choices that you probably look back and say, I regret that. But you're also the kind of person where you're like, I don't necessarily regret it. It made me who I am. Probably wish I hadn't hurt the people along the way. But it's defined you. You're not a man that looks back on the future and it holds him down. Or looks back on your past to hold you down. And you don't let the future actually tempt you too much to make radical changes. Because you're just pretty solid in who you are. And it's because God has given you everything you need. I actually feel like you carry a strength in you and a peace in you that is contagious. I would say that you probably have friends and people that come to you quite often for counsel, for support. You're that guy with the big shoulder that everyone can cry on. And it's because you carry a level of peace in the storm. I just, I think about the story of Jesus. When the storm came, everybody's freaking out. Jesus Jesus slept in the storm, why? There was peace on him beyond understanding. There was so much peace on him When he finally did wake up, he told the storm to cease, not for his sake, but for the others. And I feel like that's who you are. You have peace in you, so stable, but when you actually speak, it's for the benefit of other people, because everything you need, he's given you. Father, I just bless Richard right now to have influence greater than he has now. I feel like God is, is preparing you that you're in a season of incubation, and it's not because you are lacking anything, it's because he's about to release you into something so new, so big, that it's the waiting season, it's that peace season that's preparing you to have more influence. I don't know what you do for a living, but I think you're going to travel internationally. And I think some of that international travel might actually be, and I'm not like kings of the country. I don't think it's going to be that, but I think it's going to be of influencers of places. That it's people that have influence in religion or business or social economic. I'm not sure what it is, but you're going to actually speak to somebody in a normal way. But it will be a profound moment for them because when you speak, profound things happen. So, Father, I just bless Richard right now in Jesus' name. Something's going on over here. I'm just trying to wait. (laughs) See, I love hunger. Oh, man. You know, heaven is attracted to hunger. No, 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 no. Heaven is attracted to hunger. See, when you hunger in the world and you eat, you get full. When you hunger in heavenly ways and you get filled, you become more hungry. Because you realize that the endless supply of heaven is actually available with every bite you take. And that hunger increases and hunger increases. I love it. I say, I think something's going on over here and a hand goes... How many of you want your identity to become so manifest in your life that everywhere you go is changed? See, I don't think that it's our actions that are necessarily going to change a culture. It's our awareness of who we are. See, when we try to do something for God, it's out of works. When we fully accept and become aware of who we are, things happen in and through us that we couldn't have done on our own. I would rather let God do something through me than do something he didn't plan. There are good works that we can do, but sometimes we can work ourselves out of what he's doing. We need an upgrade of understanding and awareness so that every place around us is transformed. Ooh, that's okay. All right, who's actually having a really challenging time in your workplace? So your work is a place where you feel like it's a dark place. Like, it drains you when you go there because you feel like you're always kind of having to be on guard for work, or you're trying to be in a place where you have to do something to change the atmosphere. How many people are in a workplace that's tough? Stand up. Yeah, if you, if you work for Bethel Austin, you better sit down. And if your boss is here, just God bless them, they'll understand. <laughs> literally, as I was saying that, just the changing of the atmosphere and being who we are, I literally felt, felt just almost this breath, breathe, occupation. And it was the, the idea, and this, this is just what God spoke in an instant. I heard occupation and I heard occupancy. If you're going to your occupation to try to change it based on your actions, you're not allowing the occupancy of heaven to transform the world around you. I want to speak this over you right now. Your job is to do the best job you can do. And to be fully aware of who's inside of you and let him do what you can't. There are going to be testimonies from your workplace once you actually grab a hold of, I need to stop trying to do something for God here, and I need to let something happen through me for God here. Being the most aware of your identity is going to release something that you could not have accomplished on your own. So, Father, right now, raise your hands up in the air. Just, Father, right now, I just pray that each person that has their hands raised, each person that's in a place where they feel like it is a dark place and it is hard ground, I pray that the light would begin to shine through them, that they would be the reflection of heaven in their workplace. I pray that the atmosphere would begin to shift when they arrive, not because of what they're doing, but because of them being there. I pray that we go from doing to being. Father, I pray that there is a release of grace into the atmosphere of these places of work, these occupations, these places where they are fulfilling a purpose. I pray a release of your presence into those places right now. And Father, I pray that there would be questions from coworkers, from bosses, from clients, saying, why are you so different? And that would be the opportunity to express the love of God, but that it will be by request and not by, and not by us moving out on our own. So Father, I bless right now every person in this place to receive an inheritance of increase of your presence in their jobs, God. That the testimonies will be coming and that they will actually feel weight lifted off of them, and they will feel joy when they step into their places of work instead of heaviness that they've carried before. I bless you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to call this out, and I think I'm going to. This is when I get raw. Who's struggling with this? Who thinks this is a lot of like pep talk, mumbo jumbo? I want to see who's honest. Renee raised her hand, so you guys are all safe. (laughs) I can actually feel this resistance to this. And I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to call you out and challenge you. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I don't need to. I don't need to do any of this. All I need to do is be obedient because I know that the love of God in and through me is true and everything I've spoken is in the word. And I'll even do this. If I am a man of faith that believes what I believe, I would say this. Father, if any word I spoke tonight is not affirming of who you are and the truth of you, I pray that it would fall dead to the ground and never be remembered. And Father, I pray that every truth would seep deep into the heart of your children and that something would come alive inside of them that would allow them to know you at a level they've never known you before. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Here's the reality. Truth is truth regardless of what we believe. How many of you know that? How many of you believe in gravity? If you didn't believe in gravity and I let this go, would it float here? But you don't believe in gravity. So if you don't believe in it, it can't be true. Do you understand what I'm saying? Truth is true regardless of what you believe. Perception is your current reality until you submit to truth. I want to speak truth over every one of us right now. If I can have one of the musicians come up. Actually, yeah, you're supposed to sing a song. Yes. Bring whoever up you need to bring. You're going to sing a song over us. No pressure. Do it now. Just kidding. I actually believe that there is something significant going to happen to a lot of people in this room tonight. It may happen it may have happened, it may happen, it may happen soon. I'm not worried about the timing of God. I trust him. But I honestly believe that something significant is changing. Why? Because I believe that what God is about to do is so big, it's going to require change from us. And a lot of times we look at change as a bad thing. You think change means I have to go from something wrong or something bad to something right or something good. Sometimes change means I need to go from something good to great. And I believe that there is a change coming. How many of you have felt this sense that, that just something big is on the horizon? I mean, just talk to the weird spiritual people. They'll tell you something huge is coming. (laughs) But even the non-weird spiritual people, there's this sense that something is about to happen. And whether it lines up with 2020 because it's so prophetically good or not, it doesn't change the fact that something big is about to happen. And it's gonna require something in us to shift. I don't know about you, but I have a whole lot more of God I want in me. I have more revelation I'm hungering for. I have more of his presence I'm hungering for. I, I, I don't happen to walk down the street and my shadow heals everyone that's sick. Now, if I had my shadow heal people, yes. That's amazing. Have I prayed for people and they've been made well? Yes. That's amazing but everyone that Jesus prayed for was made well. I haven't walked on water yet. And I, continue, I will continue to get wet until I do. I know that my life is going to require more knowledge, understanding, awareness, and surrender to the truth of who I am. When I am fully aware of who I am, when I am fully aware of my seat in heavenly places and my perspective becomes only that, when I begin to see through the Father's eyes everything I behold, I'm going to hunger for more. How many of you want just an increased awareness of your identity? How many of you want to actually step into just even that much more reality of who you are and who God says you are and what's available to you in heaven? If you want more, I want you to stand. And then here's another thing. I love the awkward churchy things we do that sometimes are actually necessary. For, for, for many years, I, I pushed against the idea of stepping forward. Because I'm like, if God's really in the room, he can touch me in the back, he can touch me in my chair, he can touch me where I am. It's not for God's sake that you actually step forward, it's for yours. Because sometimes it's that just, God, I'm willing to, to step outside of something to receive something more. Now, I don't care if you come up to the front. I don't care if you walk to the back. I don't care if you stay where you are. I don't care if you lay on the ground. I don't care if you float up to the ceiling. Take me with you if you go that way, but I don't care what you decide to do. This is what I'm gonna challenge you to do right now. Do something that you don't normally do. So if you always come to the front, Go to the back. If you like to stand where you are because it's comfortable, lay down. Just do something different. Make a posture outside of what you're used to doing. I mean, even if it's, I, I, I always stand here. Okay, I'm gonna stand here. Change something. It doesn't matter what it is. Do something outside of your norm. Not for my sake, and not for his, but for yours. And I have no idea what Amy's going to sing, but I felt like, as soon as I looked at her, I felt like there's a song in her that's supposed to be sung over us, and that the revelation of our identity is actually going to begin to descend. Some of you are going to feel a tangible resting of his presence come upon you. Ooh, wow, as I put my hand down like this over my head, those of you that have any type of anything going on with the mind, literally, I felt like everything in the mind is going to be touched tonight, everything. It doesn't matter if it's confusion, if it's nightmares, if it's fear, I don't care what it is. If something is going on in your mind, dyslexia, I mean, it could be anything. To the most extreme mental disease, to the simplest of weird thoughts. When I put my hand down like this and I said the resting of his presence, I literally felt like I was wiping the mind clean and God wants to release that tonight. So just be aware of the tangible presence of God descending upon you. Just be aware that his presence is going to begin to touch you. If you have something going on, don't try to think about what's going on. You're not going to find healing in looking at the problem. Just be aware of the solution that's about to descend upon your life. Be aware of his presence more than you've ever been aware, and we're just going to enjoy his presence while Amy sings over us, and as she sings, at some point, we're going to release the ministry team to probably just go around and pray for people. This is not a specific order tonight. This is, we're going to let God minister to us, and we're going to pray for each other tonight. Everybody okay with that? Father, I just thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're going to do. God, again, I pray that every word spoken that was from you is blessed. It goes deep inside of us. That the truth of the word actually becomes a tangible reality over our lives tonight. I pray that hearts and minds are changed in a way they've never been known before. God, I thank you for the change that's coming. I thank you for the upgrades that you are doing in our lives tonight, God. And Father, anything that was not of you, Let it be forgotten. Let it be erased. But God, tonight we give you all the glory and we hunger for the more of you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.